0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Hello, welcome to Gigabit Nation Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Suttles, and I want to thank everyone in the audience for taking time to be with us today. Our mission is to provide information to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get better uh, faster broadband everywhere it needs to be in America. Now, one of the major promised benefits of broadband is that it will improve the way healthcare is delivered in the in in the U.S. Um, uh, so, uh, accessing a sophisticated interactive content that helps people take better care of their uh, their own health themselves. Video appointments with doctors. High-speed delivery of MRIs and CAT scans and other. Digital uh, images I mean there's just a whole uh, wealth of benefits that people are projecting from uh the the intersect between uh telemedicine uh, high speed networks and and the people that are bringing these programs together and uh now there's probably a number of folks who aren't aware that the FCC has a a funding program specifically for rural broadband-driven telehealth initiatives. And they funded, about a year ago, a couple of pilot projects. And today, we're fortunate to have the CEO of one of these projects, Eric Brown, as our guest. And Eric is leading the... California Telehealth Network project that's moving full steam ahead. And so today he's here to give us a lot of details of the progress and also uh, what Californians can expect from this network. So, Eric, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: So we have done some panels before, and so, you know, I know what you guys are up to, but let's give the audience a breakdown of, you know, what is – the CTN, California Telehealth Network, and what's the mission?
0: Well, sure. Um, the California Telehealth Network is California's statewide broadband network dedicated to health care. Uh, it focuses on uh, serving rural and what we call medically underserved communities. When we say medically underserved, we're generally referring to uh, high density uh, urban population areas, uh, where there are a lot of people, but there aren't a lot of health care providers, there's so not a lot of doctors. And um, uh, so our goal is that in these underserved areas and rural areas uh, where uh, patients need access to uh, specialists or uh, other uh, health care services that may not be located in their uh, immediate vicinity, uh, we can use broadband technology, broadband uh, connections, so that the patients can often be uh examined or uh patient uh records or information can be shared over a secure um network um and in often in, in a lot of cases the patients can actually be treated without having to leave their local community or um without having to be transported mm-hmm. so it's it's a it's a huge effort uh as you mentioned in the opening, it is uh, the deployment cost, that is the cost of the broadband circuits and routers and all the technical infrastructure that makes this happen, uh, is primarily funded through the FCC's uh, what's called Rural healthcare Pilot Program. And that program actually um, started about five years ago. Uh, the, uh, California received its award in November of 2007. And it pays 85% of the cost to deploy uh, broadband services to eligible sites. Uh, in California, we're fortunate that the remaining 15% of the cost, the deployment costs, are paid by an organization called the California Emerging Technology Fund, mm-hmm. which was uh, born out of the PUC uh, as an organization that helps bridge the digital divide in the state of california bringing broadband access to underserved populations uh... so we're one of the few states where a hundred percent of our deployment costs uh... are covered uh... through these two funding sources mm-hmm. so uh... it enables us uh, it has enabled us i should say to enroll at this point uh... over three hundred and sixty uh, health care providers or sites, we call them, around the state. Uh, these are primarily uh, rural hospitals, critical access hospitals, uh, federally federally qualified health centers or community health centers uh, that are generally providing primary care in rural and underserved areas. Uh, and uh, we connect those uh, facilities to the state's uh, academic medical centers and major medical centers uh, in their urban areas so that specialists sitting in Los Angeles uh, who may be let's say a pediatric oncologist can review the records of a patient let's say in uh, Death Valley and uh, uh, assist the the doctor in Death Valley in making a diagnosis on whether or not that patient can be treated uh, uh, where they reside or in their local community or whether or not they need to be transported to a, a major medical center.
1: Mhm. And just one point of clarification, that was the California Emerging Technology Fund. You said it was the other uh funder? Yes, they
0: provide the 15% match funding. Got it. Um and uh, um have are, are also um, have gone beyond that, I should say, in terms of providing additional funding to uh uh establish our our 501c3. So the the Uh, Our organization was originally incubated um, by order of uh, Governor Schwarzenegger when he was in office. Uh, He, by executive order, um, uh, prescribed that the University of California would be the lead agency to incubate the California Telehealth Network because uh, he wanted one agency uh, to uh, manage its development on a statewide basis and with its five uh, major medical centers uh, across the state, uh, the University of California was in uniquely positioned in terms of resources and expertise to do that. Uh, about a year ago, we uh, transitioned out of the University of California to become an independent uh, 501c3 nonprofit corporation. Uh, the vision was always that the California Telehealth Network would be an independent uh uh an, an independently run and managed uh resource for the state of california mm-hmm.
1: and um so now you have been pretty much fully self sufficient for a year and some change yes hmm. interesting now as you described the the structure of of the um you know you're building these links between clinics and so forth so in this particular case it is um Structured in such a way that the person needs to go to one of these clinics or one of these uh, local hospitals to get treatment, and it is the link between those facilities and bigger facilities in urban areas or you know larger areas that enable this whole you know this aspect of healthcare delivery to happen.
0: Right, and and so. Uh... One of the major trends in in terms of reforming health care, regardless of your, your politics and or how you feel about health care reform, um, is uh, the emergence of what's called the patient-centered home. And what that basically refers to is, you know, in the past, if you got sick, uh, you'd have to go uh, to your local doctor, and the doctor would prescribe uh, either medicine or treatment for you. Uh, based on um, you know the best information that, that they have available um, the patient centered home is is uh, more of a collaborative care model which says you that uh, you 'll still see your primary care doctor if uh if you have a problem or uh, if you get sick but depending on the nature of your illness or your your problem uh, that doctor is now encouraged to collaborate with uh, other doctors, generally uh, clinical specialists, who have more expertise and more experience in the area that uh, where you may need help. And in order for this collaboration to really uh, take place, you need a uh, mechanism for the doctors to communicate with each other. And you know that's easy if they're in the same building or in the same practice, but if very often that's not the case, particularly in these rural or medically underserved areas. So what we're doing is addressing sort of the the communications or digital infrastructure deployment that allows uh, these doctors in, in rural and underserved areas to collaborate with, uh, you know, uh, clinic, clinical specialists or uh, doctors who have particular areas of expertise. Uh, and in some cases this is done by video conference, uh, so using high-definition cameras and monitors um, you know the doctor can uh you know, the primary care doctor can actually can generally present the patient uh over a broadband connection to the clinical specialist in a remote location um, uh it's uh in many cases a very similar experience for both the patient and the doctor uh to uh if the doctor were actually in the room with the patient and by that i mean uh, you know whether the doctor needs to use a stethoscope or a blood pressure cuff or a glucose monitor or uh, 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 check your eyes um, or or a stethoscope or any of that all that can be done over a secure broadband connection, and uh the patient 's vital signs can be shared with the remote doctor um and so um it, it, uh, in that manner um collaboration allows the patient to receive the best quality care and expertise, um, it also very often allows us to reduce the cost of care delivery because, again, you don't have to transport the patient, which can be very expensive, uh, from um, their local community to see the specialist. And um, in terms of follow-up care, when you think about some of the chronic condi- uh, diseases or conditions like um, you know, uh, cancer patients or diabetes or uh, heart uh, uh, people with heart problems uh, uh, these are patients that very often have to make uh, uh, weekly if not uh, more uh, daily visits to uh, the doctor as part of their recovery. well, in many cases, a lot of those follow up visits can be done remotely using a, a broadband connection with high definition cameras and scopes and that kind of thing so okay. this this is really at the heart of um, you know, I think how healthcare will will be reformed. Healthcare delivery will be reformed going forward. Uh, it's still relatively new. Um, a lot of people haven't heard about it or aren't familiar with it. But as time goes on, I, I think your listeners will hear more about telehealth and telemedicine. hmm
1: And so, how long has um, I don't know telehealth or telemedicine been around? Because before we started the show, you know, you, you shared a little bit about your uh, experiences and how you actually got to this particular uh, project. It sounds like telehealth, yeah, telemedicine has been around for a little bit of time. We're just basically taking it to a higher level with things like this latest network project.
0: Yeah, well, the, the state of California uh, has always been at the forefront of um, telehealth and, and telemedicine. Uh, uh, entities like uh, UC Davis Health Systems uh, in Sacramento, um, uh, Blue Shield of California had an early telehealth and telemedicine uh, initiative. Um, uh, The state of California has been one of the the pioneers in driving telehealth adoption, and and most of those programs got started in the late 1990s. Um, But they were primarily focused on the rural areas of the state. In the case of UC Davis, uh, uh, you know, it's um, uh, uh, located in Sacramento, the UC Davis uh, Hospital, mm-hmm. and it is the uh, only tertiary care facility um, uh, between Sacramento and the Oregon border. So there's, there's uh, a huge geographic area, uh, uh, which includes things like mountain ranges and And uh, depending on the time of year, adverse weather conditions, that can make it very difficult if you uh, are a a patient needing care in some of our northern counties in the state of California uh, to receive care. In uh, uh, the late 90s, um, UC Davis was one of the first that began experimenting with using uh, Internet connections or broadband connections to Hospitals in Reading and other northern parts of the state to see if they could uh, uh, reduce the uh, uh, requirements to transport patients, um, you know, particularly in uh, emergency room set- situations, um, from uh, uh, you know putting them in an ambulance or in a medevac to, to uh, helicopter them down to UC Davis. So um, over over the years. Others have uh, uh, sort of gotten in, into the act and, and taken a leadership role, and that would include Kaiser. Uh, many of your listeners are probably very familiar with some of the Kaiser advertising or television mm. campaigns. Yes, definitely. Where they feature really telehealth and telemedicine kinds of activities, and they they are one of the leaders. Uh, interestingly, also the, the uh, VA hospitals. Uh, have taken a, a, a leadership role in, in the whole area of telemedicine in terms of tr- uh, treating um, veterans who very often don't live in the immediate vicinity of a VA uh, hospital uh, but need care. Uh, they can now very often be treated using some of the same techniques we're using uh, with the uh, with the California Telehealth Network.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, as the um, network... Rolls out. What are some of the I don't know, bigger challenges that you have uh, with this?
0: Uh, well, I think clearly the biggest challenge we face is um, the uh, the uh, the challenge of uh, getting folks to embrace the technology and training them on how to use the technology. Um, and healthcare has been an industry that's been Kind of late to the party in terms of uh, adopting technology. Uh, if you look at financial services or um, uh, entertainment or or um, other industries, um, they have um, for a long time been uh, integrating technology into how they deliver their their products and services. Healthcare uh, has been a little uh, little late in that regard, and so uh, we find that as we get into these rural or underserved communities very often we're having to uh expend a lot of resources uh to train uh the healthcare professionals on uh you know how to use the technologies that we bring to them because if you don't understand how to use it uh then you you probably can't make good use of it and um that that is uh by far i think our our biggest challenge i, I think right right behind that and related to it is uh you know, some of the older medical professionals um, uh, who aren't as familiar with some of the technologies that are becoming more prevalent are fearful that, uh, you know, f- uh, telehealth or telemedicine will mean that computers will somehow take over healthcare, care. Uh, and, and that is not um, uh, um, what we're interested in doing. Uh, what we are interested in doing is using technology where appropriate, to make sure that people who don't have access to care get access to care. And we uh, always reassure people that, you know, the bedside manner, the direct hands-on approach in terms of health care delivery is always the preferred approach. But when you look at the number of uh, patients just here in California that will be entering the system over the next uh, three to five years, most estimates uh, would say that, you know, there could be you know, four to six million people, patients, um, that are currently not um, in the healthcare system that will, will need health care. Um, there aren't going to be a corresponding increase in uh, the number of doctors and, and nurses and clinical professionals to serve those patients. So we think it's very important as a policy matter here in California that we use tactics or strategies like telehealth to allow the state to ex- extend its existing healthcare expertise and resources in terms of doctors and nurses and clinical professionals, so that they can um, be used more efficiently, perhaps than than in the past, uh, by being able to serve patients in remote areas that uh, that cannot be transported to see them. Mm.
1: So we are now. Is this growth? Is five million growth? Is that across the board, urban and uh rural or just we're just speaking
0: rural population, no, that's urban and rural
1: okay so so in essence, we've got a um <clears throat> a projected significant increase in people, but we don't have the same projected increase in medical personnel that's correct, which yeah. uh I think some have been sounding the alarm about for a while but It's clearly going to be an issue. Will technology be able to to keep up, or do you think it'll, you know, we'll still be behind the eight ball, or or will we end up really ahead of the curve because of this technology?
0: Uh, I think it's going to be tough for us in the the near term to keep up with the um, the uh, influx of additional patients entering the system. Uh, But it's just not about deploying the technology; it's about rethinking how healthcare is delivered and as a part of that uh embracing the technologies that are available to address those needs. And um, you know, we've um um it it, it it can be done and I'm confident that it will be done but um you know it um this is a huge state, uh it's a very diverse state and um being able to keep up with the demand uh is going to be a, a, a tall order. Uh, when you think about uh, all of the uh, healthcare providers that need to be trained uh, on the new technologies and how to embrace it, the fact that in some cases you've got uh, aging uh, doctors or clinical professionals that, you know, quite frankly, may not be interested in embracing change. Uh, they just want to continue their remaining years of uh, practicing in the manner that they've always practiced. Uh, so it's, it's it's a very daunting challenge, but it, it's one that we've got to, uh, I think, address aggressively. Uh, I don't think telehealth is the sil- silver bullet that's going to solve all the problems, but I do think it's a critical component of how we make better use of uh, the expertise that's currently in the state to serve the increased demand. Hmm.
1: So there there's hope, but we definitely have a, a struggle ahead of us. Now, how will people's individual access to broadband um, either help or hurt the the protected benefits of say your particular network uh
0: well you know um i, I think uh, our general feeling is that the more people that um, have access to uh quality broadband um, The better off we're going to be. And, um, you know, we started off the California Telehealth Network with a a focus, as I said earlier, on on serving rural and medically underserved communities. And within those communities, the initial focus was on um, the hospitals, clinics, or healthcare institutions, if you will, that serve those communities. Uh, What you're going to see uh, as we get into 2013 and beyond is we're going to expand our focus. Uh, into other settings that we currently uh, don't serve. So um, I am uh, a big believer that uh, in the very near term, you will start to see uh, uh, healthcare, s- certain healthcare services that will be available uh, to you residentially over your broadband connection. Let me give you an example: um, elderly care. Um, for though, if you think about the elderly. Um, who are often um, suffering with uh, chronic conditions like diabetes or or heart disease or or other things or just need to have regular uh, follow-up visits or monitoring by their primary care physicians. Uh, In many areas, particularly rural and in the urban areas, it's a challenge for the elderly to get out to actually go to the doctor for a visit. And when they do, uh, generally you know the time span of the actual visit consultation with the doctor is fairly short can be you know f- 15 minutes or so so think about uh the utility of using broadband uh in your home uh, or in the the elderly person's home so that uh the patient can be monitored uh remotely by the primary care doc um uh, things like um monitoring blood pressure as, uh weight um, did the patient take their medications in uh, in accordance with how they've been asked to? All those things can be monitored over a broadband connection. And uh, in many cases, even the, the doctor can, as, uh, again, visit with the patient oh, by a video conference to have a conversation, see how things are going, talk about diet, talk about other things. Um, think about um, how that begins to uh, improve adherence, to uh, uh, the doctor's um, follow-up plans for patients. Mm -hmm. Think about um, how that begins to reduce the uh, unnecessary hospital visits uh, that we see today very often when patients don't um, or can't get out to see uh, their doctors, and so they just go untreated and unadvised. Um, So uh, to answer your question, I I, I think – From our perspective, uh, we're exploring how do we use um, all of the broadband um, applications that are available, uh, that are commonly available, not only to the hospitals and clinics and and institutions, but also into the home, uh, into the schools with schools-based clinics, so that we can improve uh, the ability to to, uh, deliver preventative care as well as uh, follow-up care. Um, uh, using broadband connections. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, is it possible that these um, telehealth networks, similar to um, how the uh, FCC's E-rate programs are going out in the community, is there a po- is there a way for these networks to be integrated with the home?
0: That's an excellent question. You know the. It turns out the s c c uh is in uh at, well has been accepting comments or inviting comments on the next version of the rural health care program they call it the broadband services program uh, that uh, uh, we're expecting will be released and implemented sometime mid year mid calendar year next year and one of the things that uh, we've pointed out, that, that uh, our organization, CTN pointed out in our comments that were filed a couple of weeks ago, is that if you look at um, the E-rate education, um, educational broadband subsidy programs versus what the commission currently does in terms of rural health care or health care uh, broadband subsidy programs, um, the health care programs are dwarfed by the educational programs. Yet, when you look at the actual statutes within uh, the Universal Service Fund, uh, there is no uh, directive in the legislation that would support that. Uh, And so we're encouraging the commission to rethink how they administer uh, the rural health care broadband subsidies and take some of the best practices, frankly, that uh, have been learned in the E-rate program and other educational subsidy programs and uh rethink um how we might um uh, uh administer healthcare so that it the healthcare broadband subsidy programs in a similar manner and also at similar uh subsidy levels so we're we're hoping that uh we can can get the commission to take some proactive measures so that um uh you know the the, the dollars can be used particularly for things like patient monitoring um, and other broadband-enabled healthcare delivery um, uh, tactics on a broader basis. Mm -hmm.
1: How how do you see this progressing? I mean, it sounds like... Well, uh, let me let me step back for a second. If I look at E-Rate, the E-Rate program, the E-Rate program came out, it was a great program, provided uh, money for schools, libraries, and so forth, but it was incredibly restrictive, and the restrictions were a big issue because you had equipment infrastructure sitting unused for a lot of the day and three months of the year because school wasn't in session, right? right? So the FCC made some some. Some modifications, but if you look at it in the, sort of in the big picture of what could potentially be done to unleash the powers by sharing these networks, we sort of took baby steps right with on, on the on the telehealth side. Is it possible that you know the f c c might I think, gasp take uh,
0: a, you know more <laughs> a, a, aggressive
1: action in this regard
0: uh, who knows uh, but that is certainly uh what we 're urging them to do um, uh, could, because we agree with you that uh, there's a lot of uh, potential to use the resources, even the, without talking about increasing resources, use the E-rate and healthcare broadband subsidy resources uh, more intelligently to leverage each other. I'll give you a good example: uh, the Cal- our organization, the California Telehealth Network, has a peering relationship with Scenic. Scenic is a uh, uh, is an acronym. Or the organization, it's, it's called the California Educational Network, it, it's called the Corporation, I'm sorry, for Educational Network Initiatives in, in uh, California, and it is the organization that provides broadband access for all of the, uh, or just about all of the public education institutions in the state. So Scenic um, uh, provides broadband for the, all of the UC campuses, all of the community college uh, campuses, the Cal State system and most of the K through 12 uh, educational systems and libraries in the state of California. Um, we um, use the Scenic Backbone uh, and one of their uh, co location facilities down in Los Angeles as uh, the peering relationship that gives us access to all the uh, state's ac- academic health centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also use it, uh, Scenic provides internet access. Through a secure gateway, in the same fashion that they do for schools and libraries, for our healthcare sites, um, I think we're just scratching the surface in terms of how we could further leverage, um, you know, uh, Scenic's reach into uh, the educational universe. And uh, right now, uh, because our programs are siloed, by that I mean we're funded for healthcare sites only. There's Funded for educational sites only, Um, there is no uh, incentive. In fact, there's a disincentive. Uh, We're discouraged from uh, doing cross-connections beyond what we've already done. I I think that's wrong. I mean, when you look at particularly rural or underserved areas and inner cities, I think one of the the, uh, biggest opportunities for us is is in the schools and with schools-based clinics in a lot of rural areas. We see that the schools are are, are one of the few places that families that are underserved in terms of uh, maybe not having insurance or or, uh, minimal insurance, (coughs) excuse me, um, uh, the schools are very often a a common gathering place uh, where the parents have to, you know, come to the school for school activities and so forth. Well, why couldn't we use those same facilities and the space they're in, using broadband connections to make sure that those those kids and their parents uh, have access to uh, the best quality health care mm-hmm. uh, without having to you leave their communities. And if we could do that very often in the off hours where the building's not being used for actual school purposes, I think that gets at some of the things you're referring to. Mm-hmm. So uh, that has not been the case, you're right, in terms of that has not been reflected in the FCC's policies in the past. We and uh, the other... 50 um, rural health care pilot program participants around the country are encouraging the FCC to take that up uh, in this next version of the program, say release. Mm-hmm.
1: How can we, the average citizens, somehow get involved in this process? Because uh, it seems like you should not have to fight alone uh, for this and uh but, but I don't think anyone even could begin to figure out you know how do you make a comment to the FCC or you know do you try to get 20 or 30 of your neighbors to make comments to the FCC I mean can you can you see a a path for how we would do this
0: Yeah well the first thing I, I should probably share with your listeners uh our website address um it is um, www.calcaltelehealth.com. telehealth T E L E health, H E A L T H dot org, uh, cal- okay. www.caltelehealth.org, and uh, that is the website for the California Telehealth Network. We have posted uh, our comments to the FCC um, on the uh, rural health care pilot program and uh, uh, what we uh, are what we've suggested they do going forward. Um, and and uh, if you uh, were to visit it, you would also be able to visit. Uh, you'd be able to see the docket number it's called uh, that uh, on the FCC site that uh, any citizen can uh, can go file comments. Uh, beyond that, um, you know, here in California, uh, Senator Feinstein sits on the committee that oversees the FCC, and um, uh, so I would also suggest that if If folks are uh, interested in in making their voices heard, uh, contacting uh, Senator Feinstein's office is also a way to make sure that um, um, uh, that the uh, FCC is responsive to the needs of Californians. Mm -hmm.
1: Now, I had some questions here in the chat room about uh, the global aspect of. of what can be done? In other words, uh, one of the comments was, you know, you, not only can this be linked with other facilities and educational institutions, medical facilities in the in California. I mean, we could be looking at the whole world, you know. As oh, far yeah. as I mean, once you get that broadband connection up and going, you know, the world is your oyster, in a way of speaking. Um, how do you see that that global access? having a play on little, small, you know, communities like Butte and, you know, all the hundreds of smaller communities in rural California, do you see a – will it have an impact or will this strictly be a, you know, a local-only kind of benefit?
0: No, it's already having an impact. I I think um, what I've seen – and you're right, uh, I should mention that also by virtue of our uh, connection with Scenic that I referred to earlier, Scenic is the regional – optical network for a couple of uh... national and educational national educational and medical research backbones they are called national lambda rail and the second one's called internet 2 and uh in the case of uh, both of them uh, national Ram- lambda rail also uh provides access globally to medical research uh, um and education uh, institutions all around the world, so um, uh, it's already something that uh, is, is possible. What I see today is generally in a lot of the uh, uh, developing nations, um, where uh, healthcare uh, is is, uh, is sparse. Um, we have uh, many of our academic uh, healthcare uh, institutions all over the United States are already um, actively involved in uh, either research or delivering some sort of health care to uh, improve health care deliveries in those regions. Um, I haven't seen a lot, frankly, here in California, of expertise from outside the country coming in to benefit mm-hmm. uh, California patients. And That doesn't mean that um, there's any reason why that wouldn't happen or shouldn't happen, uh, but here in California... Our issue uh, is largely that uh, the clinicians that we have um, are doing a fairly good job of covering, uh, of providing services. They're just not located in the, in the, necessarily in the same areas where the most acute patient needs are. So, uh, as a result of that, uh, we tend Ctn tends to focus on how do we leverage the the state's existing healthcare assets to serve Californians. I will say to you that um, on the part of, uh, when it comes to some in the medical professional community as in doctors or specialists um, uh, you know there are occasions when I run into concerns that you know this broadband technology will invite competition where uh, clinicians from outside the state of california uh one day might uh, start offering services to patients or clinics or hospitals in California. Right now, um, from a regulatory standpoint, there are restrictions uh, from that happening via telemedicine. Mm -hmm. So in order to uh, actually perform uh, telemedicine in the state of California uh, to Californians, you need to be licensed to practice medicine in California. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, this, this discussion... About whether or not uh, that makes sense long term, given the emergence of broadband technology and what it can do in terms of um, allowing uh, patients to be treated or receive uh, treatment from uh, people or doctors in remote areas, but that's the law of the land today. Uh, it does present problems in some instances in some of our border communities, so for instance, mm-hmm. um, renown, which is a, a very progressive healthcare care provider. Hospital over in Northern Nevada in the Reno area is the natural uh, referral center if you um, need uh, critical care anywhere in the eastern Sierra. So if you started in Bishop, sort of at the north end of Death Valley, and went all the way up to Alturas or Cedarville in in, uh, Modoc County, just just uh, uh, south of the Oregon border. if you uh got in a car accident or a skiing accident or or needed to be transported uh to a hospital, they're probably gonna send you to uh renown. Well, uh from a telehealth standpoint, um, you know, it, it would make sense that uh, a primary care doc sitting in um, Truckee here in uh you know the, the uh in, in that in that zone uh, might want to consult with, uh, you know, a dermatologist or a, a behavioral health specialist or some other specialist at renown, and, and so that if the patient that's being treated eventually had to actually physically go see that doctor, uh, they could do that. Uh, so those are the kinds of issues you run into when you start uh, uh, that. Uh, that we run into, I should say, when mm-hmm. uh, given the, the current regulatory landscape, which was, you know, uh, created at a time before when these technologies were available. But I, I definitely think long term we're evolving to a model where um, uh, whether uh, where the, the state boundaries and even the national boundaries uh, won't matter as much. It will be all about uh, where can you uh, provide access, where can you find access to the care you need, the best quality care you need. Um, and uh, using broadband technology to do that.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's venture into a little interesting area. Do you think these networks, these telehealth networks like yours, will be impacted one way or the other by uh, the health care reform law that that was passed and approved by the Supreme Court?
0: Uh, Yes, I do. I think that... um, uh, Frank um we're already being impacted and I think it is um uh, has been one of the accelerants one of the things that has uh increased broad, uh, adoption of uh of telehealth and telemedicine practices as an example um as part of the uh uh of of uh the ACA we um all healthcare providers are uh, on a timetable by which they need to adopt uh ele- what's called electronic health records. Mm-hmm. Uh so so this is essentially uh digitizing uh health records for patients so that they can be shared going back to the collaborative care model I mentioned earlier in our conversation mm-hmm. they can be shared uh, in a patient-centered model. Well uh those uh there are the government has offered incentives to healthcare providers, uh, whether you're a primary care doc or a hospital or a clinic, uh, and those incentives start kicking in in 2014. Uh, uh, it is uh, encouraging providers to move sooner rather than later to embrace this technology and begin um, um, offering services that um, they have not before. Um, so, yes, I, I think... We've already started to see an impact, uh, and I would expect that um, um, that will continue as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: are there any other? Now there was um, there was a lot of money spent in, I believe, for t- uh, for telehealth or telemedicine initiatives as part of the stimulus. So if I look at the big picture of broadband stimulus, you know there was. Uh, there, there were there were initiatives or money for smart grids, energy management. There was money for you know broadband, you know straight out. There were there were there were stimulus dollars for a number of aspects of healthcare and telemedicine, uh, and this is all separate and apart from what you know the FCC's program. But right. do the with all of those in three four initiatives floating out there, have you been able to kind of harness them into one place cuz you know one of the one of the comments that was made I don't know midway through the funding process is you know you've got different agencies <laughs> spending a lot of money um yeah. with the seemingly overlapping expected outcomes right but that was the expectation part or sort of the assumption part you know what's what's the reality can that come together
0: uh, uh, well, we're a classic example of that because we also received uh, stimulus funds uh, at the California Telehealth Network. We're using it. In fact, it it it, it is being used to fund our personnel costs. So if, we, if you go back to my sort of description of how we're funded from the FCC, the, the deployment costs I refer to that uh, we use the FCC monies for, can only be used for infrastructure. So, circuits, routers, switches, firewalls, a little bit of network monitoring, that kind of stuff. That's what the 85% subsidy for the FCC goes for and the matching 15% from the California Emerging Technology Fund. None of that could be used, for instance, for staff to go out and train healthcare providers how to use the technology or for uh, travel or other uh, t- uh, types of uh, support, programmatic support, or technical support, if you will, that are uh, clearly required to make these things successful. So what the University of California did when it incubated our organization was it went out and it applied it for and got um, a $9.7 million, uh, what's called BTOP grant. Uh, this was funded through the Recovery Act. It's a Broadband Technology Opportunity, opportunity Program grant. Um Which was issued through the Department of Commerce uh, and and, uh, NTIA. And uh, so, again, we're an example of we use that money to, uh, uh, over the last two years and over the next year, to pay personnel costs, travel, uh, so that, uh, and then the personnel that we use the money for are really used to help uh, with site outreach and support, training, and that kind of thing. Mm I think there is an issue, and uh, we, as, as a program participant, CTN, along with other top or our Grant Recovery Act uh, recipients, have had a lot of conversations uh, with folks in Washington about the fact that um, we continue to struggle with the fact that these are siloed sources of funds. So um, even though um, th- th- there are, uh, there have been, major allocations of money from um, Department of Commerce or from the FCC or USDA in some cases for uh, through its rural utility service grants. Um, it can be difficult to um, connect the dots so that you're leveraging all those funds uh, in a synergistic fashion to uh, meet the objectives that are needed um, on a state or uh, a local basis. Uh, That continues to be a challenge. Um, I think here in California we've probably done better than uh, maybe some other states in terms of uh, trying to make sure that the various organizations who are recipients of those different types of funds are working together, not duplicating efforts wherever possible, and uh, leveraging each other's activities so that, uh, you know, if possible one plus one equals three. But it it continues to be a challenge. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. There are two topics I want to hit on before we run out of time here we 've been zipping along pretty pretty quickly. Uh, one of those is urban areas. You know One of my continuous continual pet peeves is that every broadband topic seems to always be dominated by a rural discussion. Not that rural folks do not have needs, which they surely do, but we seem to always, almost always ignore the urban areas with, I think, the assumption that there's plenty of broadband for anything they could possibly need because you can't walk a New York block without running into an uh, an AT&T store or a Verizon store. What's the reality when it comes to urban areas, telehealth, and and the need, the real need?
0: Uh, I would tell you that um, the public uh, has been misinformed, that that when I go into – South, South Los Angeles, or parts of uh, Contra Costa County, Richmond, uh, parts of uh, Alameda County. Um, uh, it is not uncommon for me to walk into a healthcare facility. I was in one yesterday, in downtown Los Angeles, that serves the Asian community. And they've been trying to get broadband connectivity at one of their uh, sites in the city of Los Angeles for a year, and they can't there's no um the, the the broadband um uh access isn't there so uh <laughs> and and I will tell you as a former cable operator that's what I did before I um uh took this job I know that um in in a lot of urban areas um in Los Angeles would be one of those uh Uh, In the early days, a lot of the broadband was was deployed um, more focused on residential communities than on uh, the inner-city communities. It's expensive to build an inner-city because, you know, you have things like concrete that has to be uh, excavated. You have uh, just the higher cost of doing business. And in some cases, um, though they uh, have uh, token broadband connectivity through those communities, it is not available to every address so mm-hmm. there there's still a lot of work that needs to be done more than what most people think i will say to you that in in the case of the california telehealth network we realize that you cannot have a statewide wide network if you don't also in uh... have uh... the the urban areas uh... because the 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 hard truth is in order to make these networks economically sustainable You need the population density of the urban areas to, uh, frankly, um, help fund uh, the the rather small patient numbers, patient population numbers of the the rural areas. If you just had to live on or sustain these networks on the number of patients that are in the rural areas, um, there's no way that you could sustain it. So it it uh, urban is equally as important. Urban is where generally the uh base of of clinicians and medical expertise re- resides certainly in the case of the academic health centers. Uh so they're both important and you're right very often in the public discourse when when telehealth is discussed rural uh gets the headlines and I'm not understating the, the need in rural. But, without the urban you, you, you just don't have something that you can sustain
1: long term- mm-hmm. and then for my other topic, the must address topic, I'm in the middle of doing a, a national survey of economic development professionals getting their feedback on how broadband impacts economic development, and as you can imagine, you know a lot of the questions deal with you know the ability to draw in new businesses, the ability of individuals to get training to change industries and professions, and so forth. What is the role of uh, improving health care when we are talking about improving the local economy?
0: Oh, it's huge. Uh, It's huge. Uh, You know, one of the most profound economic benefits of a hospital or clinic uh, implementing a telehealth program is it allows that uh, hospital or clinic to keep uh, a higher percentage of their patients in the community and not ship them or medevac them uh, to the major urban uh, medical center. Uh, Think about that. So what that means is uh, if I get sick today and uh, via telemedicine or telehealth, I can be treated and do my recuperation without leaving my local community, the dollars associated with my treatment stay in the local community um and um the uh, not only that the impact on my family which may have to come see me or take me to the 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 the, the uh, remote location all that all that all those dollars stay in the community and so one of the most profound things that we hear from our member sites is that the things that we're doing allow them to keep people in the community um and that there's a, a financial and economic development benefit to that. Not only that, as we talk about where um, the uh, doctors and uh, medical professionals are located today, we know that um, when there is adequate broadband in a uh, in a community, be that in an urban community or a rural community. Uh, you have a much better chance of attracting top talent to come there than you do if you don't have broadband, and as telehealth becomes more recognized and uh adopted more uh I think that will uh that that effect will become more profound uh which will also have an economic development so all of the lab work um, you know that's attendant with um uh treating patients and that kind of thing uh if we don't have to uh uh, ship that off or have that be done somewhere in a in an urban area. If it can stay in your local community, there's, there's a definite economic upside there. Mm-hmm. Is there
1: a way to measure that, or is there some way to um, gauge it, if not quantifiably, at least qualitatively? Because that's a big question we, people ask is, how do we measure this?
0: Sure, and, and the industry, quite honestly, hasn't done a good job The telehealth industry has not done, in my opinion, a great job of quantifying and documenting its benefits. Um, Most of the studies that have been done have been on a rather limited basis, and and, um, uh, we're not at the point yet where in most cases uh, you could go into uh, uh, a community and on a a whole say that, um, you know, here's the economic benefit since they've uh, instituted telehealth here. But the good news is that's exactly um, what, we will, what we will be doing going forward at the California Telehealth Network is some of the things that we're instituting over the next year allow us to begin to automate and therefore document what are the uh, economic uh, health care delivery and other benefits of, uh, of telehealth. Uh, you know, in, in many of my rural clinics and my clinics in underserved areas, these are healthcare professionals who are just trying to keep up with their patient uh, populations and the demands to keep those patients healthy. They don't have the administrative resources very often to uh, do the reporting and filing and, and documentation that would give us uh, the um, um, the reports or the, the the evidence we we would need to to document these things. But that is that is something that we're very intent on because uh, we understand that. If telehealth is going to make it, and if uh, uh, we're going to continue to devote public dollars to its adoption, you need to be able to prove the business case for it. And uh, right. we we can see it in spots, but it hasn't been, in my opinion, properly addressed on a ma- on a major way. Mm-hmm.
1: So, with the uh, three minutes or so that we have left. What would be the primary bit of advice that you would give to communities in California, but you know, pro- probably any community that has a network like yours in their state? How do we get more people involved? How do we get more people taking advantage of it?
0: Well, there, there. Again, uh, we encourage you to visit our website at uh, caltelehealth.org, uh, and uh, uh, there, there um, are opportunities for you to provide comments to us and. We can certainly direct you. I'd also point out there's an organization called the American Telemedicine Association ATA. Uh, they're a they're DC-based uh, group that um, advocates for the industry and um, is a wealth has a wealth of information in terms of uh, you know the various activities going on around the country and, and their benefits. Um, I you know I would uh, urge folks that, to think about uh, in your own community. Uh, you know, have you done an assessment of, um, you know, care delivery and and whether or not people can get their needs met without having to be transported someplace else? If the answer to that is no, then uh, you should push your civic leaders and your uh, medical providers, uh, whether they're health plans, whether they're hospitals or even your own doctor, uh, to consider uh, using telehealth as one way, not the only way, but as one way of uh, beginning to improve the delivery of care in your community.
1: Okay. That sounds reasonable and doable. Uh, I have to say this has been a very uh, enlightening conversation. It is our first, uh, well, the first for me in this show dealing with the topic of telehealth though you and I know we we you and I've been on panels before and so I've been at this for you know a little bit but I think you know probably there's more time needs to be devoted to this topic so I look forward to bringing you back again and and getting more uh, updates on um the network as it is uh, progressing cuz I'm assuming that you're continually going to be adding clinics and hospitals and so forth to the system right
0: that's that's right. Our our goal is to get to over 800 sites within okay. the next year.
1: Well, then definitely there's some growth going to be going on, and we'll do our best to try to keep up with it. So thank you very much for being my guest today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: And I also want to thank our audience. Uh, as always, you folks are great and have been extremely supportive. Uh, we are now in our, geez, 13th, 14th month uh, since we launched uh, last year, and this has only been able to progress by the help of our audience and our support and the support of our uh, sponsor, Team Fishel. Um, So, again, thank you, everyone. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Have a great day.